Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. We open our Bibles this next hour to study the inspired and true Word of God and to see the Word made flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. And if He's the light of the world, that means He's your light as well. The light shines on us today as we study a very familiar chapter in Ephesians, for Lutherans especially, Ephesians chapter 2. We often will run to verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. But yet, there are some powerful words of grace and peace and salvation, even death, before we get to that point. So stay tuned as we look again at our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help be strengthened by God's Word this morning, we have with us a special guest, Pastor Mark Jasa, pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Pasadena, California. Pastor Jasa, welcome to Thy Strong Word. Well, thank you, and it is such a delight to be on the radio with a buddy, Pastor Finner. <laughs> so uh, I, I, uh, I'm so glad to be here with you, and um, and a great a great chapter too. This is this is uh, this is going to be fun. Absolutely, as I said, lots of grace, lots of mercy, and lots of Jesus that we'll have together today. And just for our listeners to know, Pastor Jason and I were at seminary together, and. Um, I uh, never forget when we met you. We, my wife and I had just gone for a run, and you came up, and we didn't know who this guy was, and he introduces himself. And within about a 10-minute time period at seminary campus, about 50 people came by saying hello to Mark Jasa. So he was not only a good theologian, but the popular man on campus. Anyways, enough of that. Pastor Jasa, you've served um, since you've graduated seminary in some very unique ministry situations, um, context. Can you uh, spend some time introducing yourself, your work, and the work of the saints at Mount Olive? Yeah, um, so I, I've been at Mount Olive uh, since uh, 2014, and I have uh, been serving uh, not just Mount Olive, so, so I preach and teach at Mount Olive, and I you know, I, I serve the congregation, but I also, um, Mount Olive and also 1517, uh, sends me out to, uh, universities, uh, all, all up and down the coast of California, as well as, uh, you know, I, uh, been done a lot of ministry in Canada, in Europe and on the East coast. And so evangelism is, is a big part of what I do. Um, simply proclaiming what Jesus has done to the individual. Um, so UCLA, uh, San Diego State University, uh, the University of Edmonton, you know, it's just like all kinds of university stuff. Uh, I guess um, I think that kids that are uh, just left the home, an 18, 19 year old who has just left his or her home and is figuring out what he believes and uh, I think those those are the people who provide really great conversations. Um, Pastor Jasa, we had yeah, Pastor Adam DeGroat um, on last month, and yeah. he mentioned that when he was in Philadelphia, he came and visited with him. So add to that list, Temple University yeah. is what he mentioned, correct? Yep, yep. That was awesome. Yeah, we had a great time together. 
So. <laughs> so anything else you want to share about Mount Olive or uh, or yourself before we begin? I uh, We have a fa- uh, just a wonderful congregation, my wife and I and my kids. We really love our congregation and we have a good time there. And um, even though it's it's been difficult not meeting in person as much, um, we we've started to meet again and uh we're we're uh, we're enjoying our our com- uh, our congregation so yeah we that's all is well there well and as we speak about yeah. this a uh, reminder to our listeners that if you want to see pastor jasa in action uh i believe you're on youtube uh because what what pastor pastor jasa does is he when we were in seminary he would go to washington university and fonpon university put out this little um pretty much a piece of junk box on um, the size of nothing. And he would put a piece of paper on it that said religions for the week and to allow people come and talk to him about that and an opportunity to engage much like Paul. I mean, this is what Dr. Winger said last week is that Paul was great at going into these communities, specifically um, Corinth and Ephesus of all these different ideologies and just hearing people out, speaking to all nations, all different people and that's what that's what Pastor Jasa has done throughout his ministry, even before he graduated seminary. Where can we find this on YouTube, um, Pastor Jasa? Well, if you friend me on Facebook, I put out videos all the time, one minute videos, uh, and and I also um, so if you friend me on Facebook, that'll work. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram, and I put these videos there. Um, and then some of the longer uh, interviews where I'm talking to students, uh, where are they? Um, <laughs> if you know, I, I, some of them are on my Facebook. If if people contact me, I, I can I can certainly uh, provide these. But uh, the, the main ones I'm doing these days are these little one minute. I do one minute uh, law gospel presentations. Um, so on, on Facebook. So Mark Jasa, M-A-R-K-J-A-S-A on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And it's Mark Jasa on Twitter and Mark Jasa on Instagram as well. Wonderful. So that's where I am. And I would encourage everyone to look. Go ahead. It's interesting that, that yeah, so my, my box, uh, Religion is for the Week, that often attracts atheists. And I do lots and lots of evangelism with atheists. But something else I do that um, is I have talks with Christians. I, ta- I have talks with people who've been going to, to church. They're, uh, you know, someone who's been going to church his whole life and uh, still doesn't quite understand the gospel. These people come up to me, and I'm I'm able to help them fine tune their beliefs a little bit. And and have the, have more confidence that they actually are saved. Um, and uh, uh, actually, pe- people ask me all the time, "Can you recommend a book that um, is really helpful for a Lutheran Lutheran approach to evangelism?" And what I would say is, uh, Alfonso Espinoza, Reverend Doctor Espinoza, has just put out a book called. Faith that engages the culture. Faith that engages the culture. And in this book, you'll see a, a Lutheran approach to public proclamation. Proclamation not just in the church, but outside of the church. So 
uh, where unbelievers, as well as people who may not quite understand the gospel, can uh, can hear a straightforward proclamation that your sins are forgiven. And um, so that, that's the kind of confidence. Uh, faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? The Word of Christ. And the, what is the Word of Christ? He has done it for you. So, uh, by the way, also, uh, the, the faith that engages the culture, faith that engages the culture, is also being sold by 1517. So, please be... Gotcha. Uh, um, so, uh, in this text today, not to jump ahead... Am oh, you I? are. Go yeah, ahead, though. But, okay. <laughs> so, in this text, we, uh, we see as Lutherans... Lots of things in this text, Ephesians 2, that separate Lutherans from all other denominations. And, and th- those, those are going to be some of the, ta- uh, the talking points we get into. Uh, and these are all issues that I think make us see how outrageous the forgiveness is and how it's all one-sided. Jesus coming to you and saving you all by himself without any help of you. Well, I'm into that. So let's let's hold on to that for a moment because I'm excited um, for us to get to that point. Reminder too that uh, 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 Reverend Doctor Alfonso Espinosa was on uh, the Coffee Hour last week, speaking about his book "Faith That Engages the Culture." To remind people to look on kfuo.org um, to be able to see that and to hear not hear see that, but to hear that about the words that he had to do. Plus. Alfonso Espinosa is the father of the previous host of Thy Strong Word. So you might have recognized that name as well from A.J. Espinosa, our previous host of Thy Strong Word. But as we look at today's text, uh, Pastor Jason, can you begin uh, our time um, to ask the Lord's blessings in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have made it clear that your son has come to the earth and lived a perfect life and credited us with all his good works, all his perfect works. And he has died to pay for our sins. And he has risen to demonstrate to us that we too will rise. We thank you that our eternal destiny, we are safe in your hands. We, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Pastor. As you remind us, we are safe in our Lord's hands. I think what we're going to do, we're just going to get right into the text, because I know you have a lot of background information as we go through. As we look at uh, verses, reminder to our listeners that we are hearing or we are reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV version of the Holy Scriptures. Um, So let's just read verse 1, and we will uh, let us run from there. Verse 1 of chapter 2, Paul writes, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you... Oh, I'm sorry. I went too far. And you were dead in trespasses and <laughs> sins. Got to stop there. So here he goes. Right off the bat, he begins with, you're dead. What is he talking about? This is a downer. What's he going with here? What's happening? So uh, right off the bat, I, I hear um, the princess bride, Billy Crystal, standing before <laughs> a, a dead body and saying... You know, he's not completely dead. He's just mostly dead. And th- this, is, this is the way that most uh, Christian de- denominations uh, see 
our conversion. They see belief as, well, we were mostly dead, but not quite dead. We had just enough strength to, to make a decision for Christ. The, the old Adam always wants to point to himself. The, the old Adam wants credit for everything. You know, so try asking someone when you're standing before God on judgment day and God asks you, why should I let you into heaven? Many churchgoers will answer, well, I did my best. I lived a good life. Or in some way they want to justify themselves. Mm-hmm. But there's, there's another common answer. And there's this common answer, uh, why should I let you into heaven? I believed in Jesus. I made a decision for Christ. I gave my life to God. I surrendered to Jesus. And, and in all of this, there's always some bargaining. There's always, the old Adam is always giving a reason for his salvation. Um, and I've actually had people take credit for their salvation, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just as terrible a sinner as you, but I believed, and my belief is what saved me. Um, and often what we see is, you know, people, people from these churches, they're merely parroting back what they've been taught. So what I try to do is, is I guide them. You know, I don't tell them, you're wrong. I don't, you know, mm-hmm. but what I want to do is gently suggest, hey, what do you think of this? Jesus, when, so, when, when the Father says to you, why should I let you into heaven? Uh, Jesus died for me. Jesus forgave me. Jesus washed away my sins. Jesus lived a perfect life in my place. Uh, it, it reminds me of um, when... Uh, Someone was at a rock concert, and he he, uh, he was backstage with one of the band members. And a big, burly security guard comes up and says, what are you doing here? And the guy points to the band member and says, I'm with him. That's what I'm going to do. When I get to heaven and someone asks me, what are you doing here? I'm going to point to Jesus and say, I'm with him. Nice. So, nice. In, so, in this death, this oh, sorry. No, so you're we're dead in sin, like like you said. The our identity is not founded on what I did, but obviously I'm with Him. I'm 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 with Jesus. But so when He says we're dead, what you're trying to tell us is we're completely dead. Is this like um, um, Lazarus in the tomb? That by the fourth day in the tomb, all motivational speeches are definitely not going to do any good. Is that what kind of dead you're talking about? We are basically like Lazarus in that tomb. As, as his sister said, Lord, he stinketh. Yes, he stinketh. <laughs> Completely incapable of making any move toward God. We're, we're cut off. We're separated. We're alone. Um, you know, and, and this, all, you know, this all goes back to you know, Genesis uh, 2. On the day that you eat from the tree. You will die. That's what Adam, Adam was warned of that. And Adam did eat and Adam died. He, he was separated from God. He was cut off. And uh, you, you see a, a similar thing in, um, in Luke 15, 24, when the, um, the, we call him the prodigal son. He's not, it's more of the prodigal father, the outrageousness of the father, but mm-hmm. The father says, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. 
he was lost and is found. And guess what? If he is found, he was lost and is found. Who found him? He was dead, but is alive. Who made him alive? And and this is interesting because you look at you look at the lost sheep and and how you know the the shepherd left the 99 went and found the lost sheep and it just basically says that he found him and put him on the shoulders and brought him back it wasn't the sheep you know saying three bars in repentance it was simply um god grabbing a hold of him and uh pulling him back to himself and this is important because i i hear the word lost and then found and i kind of then I want to add myself into the scenario. Well, I was lost, and then I just got the right compass, and I was going the right direction. But right, right. there's there's no wiggling your way out of death because you somebody yeah. else has to bring you back to life. Any any thoughts on the dead? We want to make sure we have dead right, or else resurrection doesn't Good matter. And dead, <laughs> yeah. yeah the, the, the the sheep says, bah, bah, but but I let you carry me back. <laughs> no, there's no, there's no carry there. He picks, he picks you up. He drags you back. Um, so that actually there, there's more to that. So, um, in, uh, where is it? So, it, you know, John chapter six, verse 44, Jesus says this, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me drags him and I will raise him up on the last day. He, he drags us kicking and screaming into his family. Um, Mm. You know, and and if you jump ahead in John, if you jump to John 21, Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some fish. And, And when they did, they were unable to drag the net it's the same verb drag the net in because of the large number of fish now i don't know about you but i i mean i don't fish but i'm guessing that fish are not trying to get caught by you Mm -hmm. so these fish are at best passive but certainly not active certainly not making a decision to be caught by you so that that is that is interesting too because uh, last week we were talking about Galatians and in there it talks about being caught in sin um and we think of being caught as uh oh hey hey god says i caught you but we literally get caught in sin almost like death where you know our sins are something that can be all encompassing and for Galatians chapter six, uh, uh, Pastor Klostermeyer really focused on the uh, on the understanding of patience and care and love that we have that we have to have for, I guess you would say, the caught fish. And here you can kind of jump onto that with the understanding of not only are people caught, but who's gonna who's gonna take them out of that net and who's gonna care for them? Well, that's gonna be Jesus. He's the one that's gonna take them from being caught. They can't get out on their own whatsoever. Someone from the outside has to bring them in, and 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 they're not right. dead in the sense that we think of death, but definitely caught has the same connotations as we think of fish yeah. and nets. I don't fish either, but this is a great a great <laughs> analogy as well. So I think we got dead figured out. Uh, anything else on verse one? Um, we, we, we can go on because there's more, there's more death coming up. So, uh, I so love it. any, any more death comments I can just say for the next. <laughs> Got it. All right. Verses two and three. I'll keep in better track this time. Two and three. 
in which you once walked, following course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, he is speaking here of how you once walked, but then he also speaks about something, the prince of the power of the air. Which do you want to address first, Pastor? Well, um, I, uh, let's let's go in the order that they come. Um, so we often see people who don't even realize something is sin. I think, you know, Paul commented on this in Romans 7. He didn't even know something was sin until it was pointed out to him. Mm-hmm. And and I think that I, I, I hang out with, with a lot of people who don't believe, and they they do various things in their life, and they, they don't even see them as sin. Um, I, I remember a, a while back, a friend of mine just had porn magazines just out in his home. Mm. And I was thinking, wow, not only does he not think it's wrong, he's not even embarrassed by it. Right, so right. I, I think, you know, this this gets to the, the whole idea of repentance, repent to have a changed mind about something. Um, so uh, that's, we, we once were not bothered by our sins. And um, then the law comes along and makes you bothered by it. Mm-hmm. And then um, the I think so, so something that I was thinking about following the prince of the power of the air, that prince, we know who that prince is. Um, and who and, is that prince? Who is that prince? That prince is Satan. And so Satan. Yeah. what did Satan do in the garden? You know, uh, we, we already touched on Adam dying from from his sin and and being then being dead but uh so we had a temptation in the garden that was from um from the devil that's a real person uh, that's a real being and so he tempted adam in the garden and he tempted jesus in the desert so we have that the temptation that failed and then the the temptation that Jesus overcome. But the bottom line is he's real and he is prowling around and he, he wants us. He wants to trip us up. He'll do anything to get us to look to anything other than Jesus. I guess that that's why I was uh, giving those examples earlier about how, how we phrase our salvation and how we always couch it in terms of what I did rather than in, in terms of what Jesus did. I think that's what the devil is looking to do. He's looking to derail us from fixing our eyes on Jesus. And it says that you're following the course of the world. And that's always interesting, interesting to me because uh, I think sometimes we we have a feeling too, like you said, that we don't know what we're doing is sin, and sometimes we assume, well, if the culture or the world says it's okay, then it must be okay. 
Um, and any any yeah. thoughts on that? Because this does not paint the world in a positive sense. It kind of shows the reality and is connected um, to death. So what? any thoughts on the world and how Scripture speaks on that? Yeah, and th- this is, Paul is definitely talking about the evil of the world. Uh, the world, all, all obviously, in and of itself, is a good thing, but the implication Paul is making is that the, the evil in this world, and, you know, I, I think back to when I was in college, and I hadn't really thought about it, but people, people asked me, what do you think of abortion? And I remembered thinking, gosh, I don't know. You know, I hadn't really mm-hmm. thought of it. And I, uh, and I think it, it was an honest answer in that I hadn't really thought about it. But, uh, you know, I, I think anyone who seriously thinks about abortion should come to the obvious conclusion that it's murder. But, um, but yeah, being in a world and, and as you say, things are just culturally accepted. People accept that that these terrible things that are going on in our world are, are okay. And, uh, and they're not. And, and this is, we and need this to is where, work. and this is where um, it, it says language here that is going to show us the hope later on um, is that it says, okay, you were dead and you once walked. Mm-hmm. And then it shows the obvious evil out there. I mean, you said this well, because this is from First Peter, where it talks about the devil being like a roaring lion seeking whom someone to devour. And, and, and this is real stuff. And we could probably have a whole session just on the devil and all his works and all his ways that we renounce when we are baptized. Um, but we know that there's evil out there. The devil is real. Um, that we are always tempted to follow the passions of our flesh. This is interesting, too. We had a, a guest on uh, this this past week who talked about the flesh not only being our physical body, um, because that's true. We don't want, but we don't become Gnostics and act like the body's bad, the internal spirit is good or something. But he talked about whenever we are separated from our Lord Jesus, that is what we think of as the flesh. And I think that really coordinates with everything we're looking hello, at. hello. Showing us Hello. that we are dead, that we are sinful, and that Hello. we have nothing to bring to the table to I Jesus except our you. sin. Pastor, in about Hello? a minute left here before our break, last thoughts in these first three verses. Oh, okay. Sorry, I just got cut off. But um, oh, <laughs> you're still here. Oh, yeah, this definitely points points out the simul. The simul justus et peccator, simultaneously saint and sinner. Um, so. Uh, Paul is saying, look, that's not you. That's what you were. This is what you are now. And the old Adam, the old Adam still is clinging on. And so that's why, you know, in baptism, we talk about we daily die. We remind ourselves, you that's not who you are. This is who God has declared you to be. Um, And that's a great way for us to end our time here before we come back for our break. Uh, We are studying Ephesians chapter 2 with Pastor Jasa. We're reminded that we are dead in our sins, but maybe that's not the end of the story. And we will be right back. On America's college campuses, doors are open to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The number of international students studying at American schools has more than quadrupled over the past decade. 
For many of these young men and women, it's their first time living in a free society where they can ask questions about Christianity. You can help answer their questions. Go to lhfmissions.org and partner with the Lutheran Heritage Foundation to translate good Lutheran books into languages these students can read and understand. lhfmissions.org And welcome back. We are studying Ephesians chapter 2 with Pastor Mark Jasa from California. We used to always joke that Pastor Jasa was like a surfer dude when he would go around with his longer hair and talk Californian. So um, I don't know. Have you been surfing lately, Pastor Jasa? Um, I have. You know, we've got two kids now, so that kind of <laughs> limits it a little bit. But we do take our kids to the beach. Um, and, um, yeah, we've got a four month old and, and a two and a half year old and the two and a half year old loves the beach. But, nice. uh, yeah, that's, that's what it is. So let's continue on here, pastor. We've gotten through the first three verses and there's a lot of gems still to be unfolded and pointing us to Christ. So let us read verses four and five, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I would say that these two verses here are verses that we often don't hear about. I mean, they're there. And I mean, we know that they're there um, because it says similar language of eight and nine. I mean, like I said, we always get to eight and nine, but four and five are just as rich because they point us back to God. Uh, what is what is Paul emphasizing here in these two wonderful verses, Pastor? Well, uh, one thing that I saw last night, my wife was was reading this uh, completely separate. I think it, it was funny. She and I are reading the same passage, and I said, what passage are you reading? She said, I'm reading uh, Ephesians, Ephesians 2, verse 4. And I said, oh, and I saw her getting really emotional. And she said, look, Look at look at this. God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. She said, look, gee, God loves us. He and and she, she she was talking about how all of this is done because of his great love. So um, he all of his work is out of love. And and then you get to five when we were dead. There's nothing in us. Nothing in us that that is is tempting or alluring or uh, giving any reason that he should love us. Uh, But it is purely because he decided to be there for us. And, so it gives uh, us it gives us hope. It gives us hope because even when we were dead in our trespasses, he doesn't say, even though you kind of messed up a little bit, even when even when you weren't as good of a person as you are now, which is how we naturally think about things, is because. But now he says, even when you're dead, <laughs> you had nothing to bring to the table. You had nothing. He made us alive together in Christ. And then he, it's almost like he pauses, almost like he pauses at that point, by grace you have been saved, you know? Um, so being made, made us alive again, how did he do that, Pastor Jason? So I think that it's such a great image of baptizing a little kid, because a little baby, because we just recently baptized my youngest, and mm. 
What can a baby do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Which is, which is, um, uh, when, you know, what can an adult do to be saved? Absolutely nothing. Um, so I think this is a great picture of, of uh, being, being dead and then being made alive together with Christ. You, you go into the water and you're buried into the death of Christ. And then the promise is you who are, are united to Christ will certainly rise in the resurrection of Christ. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. The, the resurrection is connected to the, to the death. And, and there's a promise there in baptism. You will rise in the resurrection of Christ. And um, when, when I was at, uh, some of you people probably know Pastor Craig D'Onofrio. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's worked with KFUO. Do you, do you know Craig? I, I know who he is. I don't know him personally, but yeah, go ahead. All right. Well, I was over at his house. He was having a party and some of his friends, came, some, some of his wife's friends came up and they said to me, you can't baptize babies. Babies can't have faith. And, and I said to them, well, wait a minute. What did John do when Mary spoke into Elizabeth's ears? You know, there John is in the womb. And Mary speaks into Elizabeth's ears, and what does John do? John jumps for joy. And they look at me, and they said, that was the Holy Spirit. And I said, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Whether you're an infant or an adult, it doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit is the one who causes you to say Jesus is Lord. So. Um, John was the, the the words of the Holy Spirit were working in in John before birth. And this is important for us to remember: is is one thing is to see all of Scripture, um, interpreting Scripture, because in our lives it would make total sense to say. Yeah, babies can't believe. They can't do anything but mess up their diaper. They can't do anything but keep their mom and dad up at night. They can't do a single thing. And then you hear of the of the John the Baptist um, account, which is in Luke chapter 1. Am I right on that? Oh, I'm kind of looking here. Yes. Yes. It is uh it is John chapter or excuse me, Luke chapter 1. And when this is happening, it is a reminder for us that if the Holy Spirit can affect a baby in the womb, okay, before it can even do anything, yeah. it's gonna, he's going to affect us. And the hard part for us to understand is that that's the same for us as adults. 1 Corinthians 12, 3, you quoted it, but now we have a reference, is that, um, that no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The hard part to understand is when I say Jesus is Lord, I confess the creed when I confess um, on confirmation or even when I um, come forward for the Lord's Supper, um, even when I confess these things, uh, that's the Holy Spirit getting giving us uh, faith. And at the same time, it's all to God's glory, which which goes against me, too. I want the glory. Right. I mean, all this stuff is so hard for the mind to understand. And Paul is addressing the Ephesian church to get them out of the scenario. And and Dr. Winger said it so well last week, is that he's showing the Ephesians, you are all together as one in Christ. 
He's done all this. He's given all of this to you. You can be stronger, quote, together as opposed to separate because it is all to God's glory. Thoughts on these? I mean, there's so much we can unpack here. And for all you kids in uh, in catechism right now, I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts. And kept me in the one true faith. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Oh, good stuff. And this is a reminder uh, for us as well that this is to be heard with comfort, but we often... We want to do something. This is part of who we are as, as, as humans, is that we want to be able to do something. And I'm reminded of this, uh, Pastor Jasa, is uh, in, in my own congregation, we had a very difficult funeral last week. And it's one of those situations where a young man dies tragically. And in the, the, the mantra in the church, this young man grew up in our congregation, wonderful young man. And um, uh, the, the mantra, the, the, the words that everyone was saying is, what can we do? And that and that is very difficult time. And God reminds us again yeah. uh, that there's times we we can't just sometimes we can't do anything. And that's in the realm of yeah. our service to our neighbor. You have to let people grieve. But in the same yeah. in the same way, over in our relationship with God is that is that He reminds us there's nothing you can do. I'm the one who will take it. I'm the one who took it. I'm the one who will do it. All of those things go into this, and that should bring us comfort, because thanks be to God, he's the one in control. Any last thoughts on those verses, Pastor? Um, let's move on. All right, let's do it. <laughs> it's That's all I'm looking for here. Let's go verses 6 and yeah, yeah. 7, 6 and 7, leading up to the verses we all know so well. And raised us up with him. And seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So these verses, once again, have a lot of good um, words like in Christ Jesus. He says it twice, Mm -hmm. but he says, raised us up with him. What is he talking about? Being raised up. I mean, we're here. You're here. Resurrection. What is he talking about? Right now we're raised. So there's this, this now and this not yet. So Mm -hmm. you, you, he is raised. And whenever God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen. And you are, you have his word, you have his promise. So just as he is risen, you are raised and will rise with him. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting that uh, we're, we're going to see a little bit more later on tenses coming up. Mm. But but there is this now and not yet. Um, now you you are seated with him. He has seated us with him in, in the heavenly places. And so there's both a now and a not yet to that. You, you don't see it yet. You, he, he promises you that right now, and you, you just haven't seen it yet. Just as you, you will have, you are declared holy, perfect, and righteous now, and you haven't received your eternal body just yet. So, um, so that in the coming ages, 
We will. Is that what he's saying? We will. It is coming. <laughs> and it's it's interesting because I heard this this language too, is that um, we hear Philippians chapter 2, that he submitted himself basically to our level, while at the same time, he mm. lifted us up in his righteousness. We hear this in Galatians. Uh, he who knew no sin became sin, so we might become the righteousness of God. Mm. So he not only submits himself to our level as if he stayed there, but in his resurrection, he lifts us up to his level. This is part Dr. John Kleinig right. talks a lot about prayer, that he just didn't give us an example of a prayer. He gave us his own prayer to remind us that we're at his level by his righteousness and by his grace. I find that very fascinating to see that God has brought us to his level. Now, I want to take one step back here to this point, uh, Pastor Jason. We've gone through the first seven verses. I want you to think about for a moment, and for our listeners to think about this, is how do these first seven verses relate to some of the evangelistic things that you've done? Do you have any story that maybe comes to mind or uh, just thoughts on this is what commonly comes up when you speak this way? Uh, uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud because I know you're knee deep in this kind of stuff. And it's good for us to think about when we have the opportunity to share the hope that we have. Uh, Any thoughts on those first seven verses? Uh, Yes, yes. I I also wanted to to mention, though, that um, so C.S. Lewis talked about how humans engage with animals and we engage we lift them up to the level of humanity we take a wild animal and we pet it and groom it and love it and feed it and we pour all of our gifts into this animal and then this animal becomes one of us and that that reminds me of like how you're talking about what god does for us god brings us up into himself we who we're not um, we're not in any way worthy of, of of having what he he is causes us to be uh, in communion with a perfect divine being but yeah it, uh, as far as stories in, in all of this um, I get people all the time who aren't sure uh, what's going to happen to them when they die and uh, I use something that I, I call this preemptive, preemptive grace, preemptive gospel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was talking to this um, this homeless guy when I was at UCLA. He came up to me, said, "What are you doing? You know, with your box, your religionist for the week." And we, we were talking about that a little bit. And then he, in the middle of our conversation, I looked at him and I said, "Your sins are forgiven." And he said, I don't need my sins forgiven. And I said, too late. Jesus already did it. <laughs> and then the guy looks at me and he starts crying. And he says, the reason I'm crying is no one has ever said it to me that way before. Hmm. And so I think that what he's getting at is that um, people have always we always want to put the burden of salvation on you, the believer, rather than on the one who is believed in. Um, mm-hmm. We always want to um, to take credit in some way, rather than fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
That is so, uh, very good for us to think about. And I, I think I you said this to me previously, but I've heard it from other sources too, is that simple gospel understanding of, for God so loved the world, and then they ask the question, are you in the world? And people are like, well, uh, you know, they kind of waffle around. No, no, no. Are you in the world? Yeah. Well, then Christ died for you, you know? Right, right. And, and for us to be able to understand that, not the evil of the world we've been talking about, but to get the simple bare bones gospel very clearly understood and not to allow people to add to it, which is so easy because you want to say they got, by grace you have been saved, we will say, you are dead in your trespasses, but God has made you alive with Christ. And then by the time we even finish those words, somebody kind of says, but what? And what? So what else? Right. You know, and we don't allow right. the silence sink in right. and the grace to let us rest in it for a time. Yeah. Any, any there's, last thoughts before the first verse. seven verses? Yeah, there's a verse that I really like to, to remind people of. It's, it's John one twenty nine. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, the, the reason I like this verse is because there's you're not doing anything in that verse. Mm-hmm. So you, J- Jesus is just taking away the sin of the world. And so, yeah, as you pointed out, I asked people, um, who did Jesus die for? the world. Is there anyone Jesus forgot to die for? Nope. He died for everyone. Okay. How many sins did he pay for? All of them. Okay. So which one of your sins did Jesus forget to pay for? None of them. So on judgment day, Mm. you are declared righteous because of what the son has done for you. So super simple. And, and, but, 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 (laughs) <laughs> that's what no we'll buts, talk about right no buts. Buts, buts, buts. no buts no buts no buts yeah too too late too late he already did it i had a i had a uh i heard a sermon once where the pastor said watch your butts i thought that was i thought that was a pretty good uh, that was a pretty good sermon anyways right, right. Well, let's move on because pastor jason you brought up at the beginning that lutheranism has a distinctiveness that is very, I think you said the long word, along the lines of uh, that, that brings a great comfort to sinners that we need to continue to focus mm-hmm. on as Lutherans. So I yeah. think that these verses are going to encompass it. And I just want to do verses eight and nine for now, and then we'll get to verse 10. Verse eight, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. How is this a distinctive? Obviously, it's in Scripture. All Christians have it. But for Lutherans, we right. really focus on it. What makes it distinct, and why is it such an important piece of our theology? So, um, w- you and I, we, uh, we studied uh, the difference between the Roman Catholic Church and the, the Lutheran Church back when we were in seminary. And w- Catholics will say we are saved by grace alone. But they will not say through faith alone. So, and right here, you have been saved through faith. And so, what is faith? Jesus says, trust me. I got you. Don't worry about it. I am your Savior. I have paid for your sins. I got you. I got you. Bottom line, I got you. And 
And then we get to the, the, the next sentence, and this is not your own doing. So any anytime the old Adam wants to say, see, look, look what I did. No, no, no. Jesus did it, and it's all done. Anytime we put any part of any burden of salvation on us, we're going to fail. It doesn't matter how small that burden is. doesn't matter. We're going to fail. And so I don't want any part of my salvation resting on me. It is 100% on Jesus' shoulders. It's, it's the gift of God. He just he gives it to you. It's done. And, you know, uh, I like verse 9 because verse 9 is sort of reiterating um, what we just heard. in the. It's not your own doing. Why? If, no one may boast. There's nothing, nothing you can do to boast in it. Um, and this comes down to when you only... when you have to when you have to do something. Um, if you if we had to do something, we would instantly put ourselves into the equation and start boasting about what we did, even if it was a half a percent of a half a percent. We'd say, "But you know what? I did do this. Let me just let me tell you about this, you know, kind of thing." And so it's important that we see grace and and grace and faith as a complete gift, as you said or else we're going to start taking credit, and then the questions start arising. Did I do enough? Am I going to do enough? Right. What? How am I sure? All those kind of things. So continue on, Pastor. No, and and that's why I'm so glad that it, um, it says that, so it's a gift. It's not your own doing. I have nothing to boast in. There's other distinctives that you've brought up in the past that Roman Catholicism will say grace, but they will be hesitant to say faith. Reminder to our listeners, we are not here trying to bash other Christian denominations as if we have everything right, but it is good and important for us to be able to clearly confess what the scriptures say and to be able to speak with others about the distinctives that we think maybe they're missing or that things aren't quite correct. We're not saying there's not Christians in these other denominations or something, but we are saying that we need to be clear where scripture speaks clearly. And here it is very clear. We are saved by grace through faith. And I believe you've talked about not only Roman Catholicism and the differences there, but of other denominations. Did you want to touch on that? So, yeah, um, whether it's, whether people are pointing to their works to save them, or whether they're pointing to their faith as a work. Look, here's this mm. one thing I did. Um, and Acts 16.31 is, is a great verse. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So I think that, that it definitely addresses uh, what must we do. Trust me, I got, I got you. It's all done. Faith doesn't look at itself. Faith, so we, we discussed this earlier, faith looks at Jesus, the one doing it. Faith never asks, am, am I believing? Faith just looks to the one who is believed in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, uh, I don't... Uh, I'm with you here. <laughs> The the one of the things too, and I think this is what captures what you're thinking and what you're saying, is that if you ever hear somebody say, 
all you have to do. So like, okay, here's the pure <laughs> gospel right. proclamation. You'll say, Jesus has died for all of your sins. He's taken on, he's given you all his righteousness. He's given, you've been baptized into Christ. All you need to do is speak about right. that for about a minute here before we get to our last verse. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, what it's doing is it's shifting the burden of salvation back to you. And, and right, anytime the, the smallest amount is on us, we can never be sure that we've done it. Hmm. Um, the, uh, everyone always wants to know, what is my part in this? And uh, I like what Rod Rosenblatt says, well, what role did you play in your salvation? You provided the sin. <laughs> yeah, and what a providing that was. <laughs> let's move on to verse 10. We have about three minutes left here, Pastor. Let's wrap it up with these powerful words. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It's a good reminder for us that in verse 9, he doesn't stop, but he tells us once again of our identity. What is he telling us in these last in this last verse, verse ten? So my my favorite thing that Paul does, we can see this all through Colossians. In, in the book of Colossians, Paul is constantly telling you who you are and therefore what you should do. Or or he'll do it the other way. He'll say, "Do this." Why? Because this is who you are. He's constantly going back and forth between identity and action. He he mm. ties these two together, and we see this here. Paul just spent a whole bunch of time telling you who you are. By the way, he, he, uses, he uses the word you. He's speaking to you. He's not, he's not mm. just saying some sinners out there are saved. No, he's saying you are saved. And, and it's, it's very similar to what he does in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. He says, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore honor the Lord with your body. So mm. he says, mm. who are you? You're someone who's bought and paid for. You're a child of God. You're mine. That's what Jesus is saying. I've got you. You're mine. And he says, because you're mine, therefore, honor the Lord. Do, do what is good and right. Serve your neighbor. Um, so, and, and God has prepared these works for you to do. God has, has, orchestrated situations in your life in which you will see your neighbor there in front of you. And, you know, when I, when I, when I look at you, Pastor Finneran, I see you're a gift of God to me. And not, you're not just a gift, but you're an eternal gift. You're an eternal being who I get to be with forever. So, and I get to love you here and now. I get to do good for you here and now. And, um, and though I fail, um, these, uh, God has made me for the purpose of serving you mm. and, mm. and my wife, of course, and my kids and my, and my parishioners, but, uh, but. And the people at the beach, a, the people at the beach. Yeah. And, and <laughs> what a great delight it is. Like, I can't tell you. When I get to do evangelism and I, I get to be the guy who tells you your sins are forgiven and you've never heard that. And so I get to be the first guy to tell you that and, and see the expression on your face when the relief. Wow. 
heaven is mine. I can die now because I'm safe in Jesus' hands. Uh, mm. That's a great, that's actually a great pleasure for me. So that's my selfish well, reason for, for doing evangelism. Well, Lord have mercy upon you <laughs> as you do that. But we also reminded of uh, of the song where it says, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. Why? Because the Savior has come. The Savior is wrapping his arms around us, and he has done all the work by his grace. But now is our time. Uh, Pastor Mark Jasa, pastor of Mount All Lutheran Church in Pasadena, California, helping us today by studying Ephesians chapter 2. Pastor Jasa, thank you for being our guest. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Saints of our Lord, you are dead. Not partly dead, but fully dead in trespasses and sin, but made alive together with Christ who has saved you by grace through faith. Not your own doing, but he also has made you another identity, a workmanship. Walk and serve and rest in that grace. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.